For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Welcome into Stacking the Box. I am Matt Verner, and we have a great show for you today. Football is finally back, and we're going to spend the next hour going over each and every week one contest with my esteemed colleague, NFL editor here at Fansided, Josh Hill. We'll be going over all the main talking points, including odds, matchups, and of course, who's actually going to win. So, start out with this, Josh. How excited are you for the season to finally get rolling? It's about time. I mean, you can only watch so much preseason before it just, you know, you need the real deal. You know, I need it. I need pure, uncut football. I don't need it diluted with any kind of preseason stuff. But it's going to be, I'm excited. So, but, you know, that first week, we were talking about it before the show. There's so much parody. You have no idea what's going to go on, so. No, week one is always a crazy week because teams can't scheme as much as they normally would because there's not enough tape yet. You always have guys who come out of nowhere and are stars in the making who we aren't thinking about yet. And then there are other guys who have been stars for 10 years who all of a sudden they don't have it anymore. So let's jump right in because obviously full slate, 16 games to get to. We'll start off Thursday night, the opener, Kansas City at New England. New England is favored by eight points. I think everybody thinks that the Pats are the best team in the AFC, if not the NFL. But I'm curious, how much does the loss of Julian Edelman hurt the Patriots? I think it's going to be more psychological to start than it is maybe something that's on the field because that, that's an absence that's going to be felt. I wonder how the Chiefs' defense is going to respond to that, knowing that that weapon isn't on there because the dynamic before this was Brandon Cooks is going to have a good year because he's going to be playing off of Julian Edelman. Now Cooks is that number one guy. How is that going to work out? I mean, he did, he did well in New Orleans with, with Drew Brees, so we're going to see how that plays. But I think psychologically – it's not going to be like that other Monday night game that was in Arrowhead a couple of years ago where they just, you know, stomped them left and right. But it's the Chiefs have an opportunity here to catch the, the Patriots off guard more so than they did before the uh, Edelman injury. I, I agree. You know, when I broke down, I looked at the tape of the playoff game a couple of years ago, and the one thing that stood out was the Chiefs did not have an answer for Edelman. Now, look, the personnel is much different on both sides of the coin, but the schemes are still the same. It's the same coaching staffs. I think without Edelman – uh, New England is going to be challenged on third down more than anywhere else because he's such a reliable target and he's such a, a, a confidant, so to speak, of Tom Brady's. If you went through, and I, I looked at the numbers without Edelman over the last couple of years, the Pats are down almost 10 points per game. Gronkowski, believe it or not, goes down 30 yards per game without him. It's, I think it's easier for teams to you know roll coverage and double and bracket him at times. 
I'm very curious to see. Now, Marcus Peters, he doesn't move. He's mm-hmm. going to stay on the left side of that defense the whole game. How much do the, do the Pats challenge them anyway with Cooks over there? And how much do they say, you know what, we're just going to go right at him. We don't care. We'll match up Cooks. I look for Barry to get a lot of time on Gronkowski along with Eric Johnson helping him out underneath. It's a fascinating game. It really is. And I think offensively for the Chiefs, it comes down to how, you know, the, the Pats are going to try and take Travis Kelsey out of this game. They did that in the playoff game. They're going to bracket him, I'm sure, again. If that happens and they take Kelsey away or they really limit him, can the Chiefs make enough plays offensively outside of Kelsey to, get, to pull off the upset to win the game? I think it's, you know, this might be a game where Kansas City's running attack is something that they might lean on. Now, I'm, not, I'm kind of going with a gut feeling on that one, but if they do kind of bracket Kelsey and take him out of it, Alex Smith is going to have to find a way to beat the Patriots. And I go back to this is, this is as much as I know you're anxious about the game being a Chiefs fan. I've... They do not have a great front seven. Mm-mm. They lost Eric Rivers to injury. Coney Ealy trade didn't work out, had to mm-hmm. cut him. Ninkovich retired. Chris Long and Jabal Sheard no longer there. Trey Flowers and Dante Hightower, really the two guys you have to mark in that front seven. But the Chiefs, I think, can take advantage of that. But can they take advantage of it enough to win? I don't know. I will take the Chiefs to cover this spread. I think the Chiefs will, will certainly be within eight points, uh, but I will take the Pats in a, in a tight game. I think it'll be a very good game, but I think New England at home uh, will win the game. I'm going to go with Kansas City in this one. I think that they're going to go into uh, you know, Foxborough. They're going to have a lot of swagger with them, and they're going to get in there, and they're going to get it done. I, don't think that, I think that's kind of like a dying on this hill type of prediction because my follow-up from that then is that the following Monday, everybody's going to be on the Patriots. It's all over. This is Tom Brady's. He's fallen off the cliff. This is the Manning year that Manning had. Progressive presents Forced Metaphors. About bundling your home auto and other vehicles. In hockey, it's the goalie's job to protect the net. And in life, your net is your home and auto. But also your boat, motorcycle, RV, or ATV. And your goalie is the round-the-clock protection offered by Progressive Insurance. Well, it's also the savings you get when you bundle. So in this metaphor, you have two goalies. Which is okay because, you know, it's just a metaphor. Forced Metaphors. Presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Skip Bayless is going to go nuts and all those people. So I think that Kansas City goes in there and gets it done just because I like what I've seen out of them in the preseason so far. And I want to see how, you know, we don't discount a star player going down with a serious injury, no matter how good the team is. Look at Jordy Nelson going down in Green Bay a couple of years ago. It affected the way that, that that offense operated. So how is that going to affect Tom Brady? I think Kansas City finds a way to take advantage. Well, from your lips to God's ears. Uh, <laughs> we now move, let's, let's move on. Let's go to the Sunday games. Mm-hmm. And we will start with your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are laying two and a half points on the road at Miami against the Dolphins. Could have some real weather situations mm-hmm. there. Not sure how they might have to move around. They have to change the time of the game. But... We'll, we'll get to that in our time. Look, right now, I'm curious to see on the Miami side of things, Jay Cutler comes in. He's replacing Ryan Tannehill. I think Cutler has the weapons on the outside. Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry, Kenny Stills. He's got Jay Jahi behind him. But that offensive line has been a concern for years. Doesn't Ryan Tannehill know it? Does he get enough protection against what is a very underrated Tampa Bay defense? There was a bunch of sirens that just went by the office, and I think that was ominous of uh, what's going to happen with Miami on Sunday because that – the Buccaneers' defense at the last half of the season, that is why they started winning. That is why everybody started talking about Jameis Winston getting more confident in the pocket, that offense coming together more, because the defense was doing its job in a way that we hadn't seen it done 
in any of the years before, whether it was with Jameis or whether it was with Josh Freeman because there were some holdovers from that defense. That's, it's an underrated unit, especially up front. And I think my, I, don't, I, don't see, I don't see Miami being able to really come out and have the kind of confidence that they need to get in there and get the job done, especially because Jay Cutler's coming in. We all know how he is with preparing. The offense, it has weapons, but it's just it's, – it's, I, don't, I don't see it. I don't see it happening for Miami. I, uh, I like the Buccaneers a lot. You know, we, we've talked about this many times just around the office. I think the Buccaneers are a really good team. I think they can challenge the Falcons in the NFC South. But my big concern is Jameis Winston's ball security. Mm-hmm. It's been a problem throughout his early career. And look, you know what, to be fair, a lot of young quarterbacks have, have problems with ball security. You know, they, they, they struggle to maybe see the dropping linebacker or they get confused and they think it's cover two, it's cover three. These things happen. But, you know, Winston has all the talent in the world. But even in this preseason, he's had a couple throws, one against Jacksonville, one against Cleveland, that were just throws you can't make at this point in your maturation. If he has better ball security, I think Tampa Bay is the better team here, but he just they cannot afford him in this game to throw a pick or two because Miami is good enough that they could take advantage of that. Yeah, that's not only in this game, but throughout the course of this season, that's going to be something to watch with Jameis Winston as far as him coming into his own as this quarterback everybody's expecting him to be in year three. Those were very bad throws that he made in the preseason. And Dirk Cutter got on him. You know, if you watch Hard Knocks or if you watch the game film, he was on him for those. And he made, you know, the first one in Jacksonville, he got on him. You can't do that. Do not make that throw. What does he do? He comes out and makes almost the exact same throw. I mean, he wasn't falling down, but it was a very bad read. He was throwing it directly to Jabril Peppers. It was an awful, awful throw. And, you know, I've compared him probably a little bit, you know, generously to Brett Favre as far as like he's been a gunslinger maybe Eli Manning would be a better comparison especially with the interceptions he likes to force the ball and he likes to make plays which is good you want that quality in your starting quarterback your franchise quarterback for him to want to make the play but he has to be smart enough to know when that play can be made and when to just you know maybe check down throw it out of bounds which is totally okay please Jameis learn how to throw it out of bounds sometimes that's going to be a concern for me throughout the entire season and this is a game, this is not a, you know, brooding defense in Miami. It's not, he's not going up against Seattle or Denver or somebody like that. So I want to see how he comes out against a defense that's not really going to swarm, you know, his mentality and get inside of his head. Does he still make these bad throws? And do they lose the game or fall behind? Or is it closer than it should be because he's making these awful decisions? Well, I, I'm going to take the Buccaneers to win this game and to cover barely. I, I think it'll be a close game. Uh, I do think maybe the deciding factor is that Nick Folk's kicking for you guys now. Mm-hmm. It's not Roberto Aguayo. I think at this point, any field goal you guys line up for, it's going to be like a PTSD moment for everybody oh, yeah. who roots with Tampa. But I like Tampa. I think the defense is underrated. I think they're going to have an answer. It's a good young secondary. I love TJ Ward going there. I think he gives them an attitude. So I'll take the Buccaneers. I'll swallow the points. Uh, I think Miami is a decent team, but I think Tampa Bay is a good team. And really, this is almost like a neutral site game in a lot of ways. So mm-hmm. give me Tampa Bay. I think they'll get the one and all. Yeah, I'm going to put my homer hat on here anyways and take the Bucks, just because, you know, I want them to win. And also, I think that they're going to go and they're going to win this game in Miami. This just It's stacked up well. Again, if Nick Folk can hit his field goals, if Jameis Winston doesn't throw to the wrong team at the wrong time, I think we'll be fine. But... See how it plays out, but I do find that to be one of the more interesting games of the first week. And now, one of the games that you know what sneakily, I, if that's a word, I, I think uh, I mean quietly would be the right word. Uh, Pittsburgh at Cleveland. Pittsburgh laying eight points in the game. 
everybody's going to look at this game on the surface and just say, well, Pittsburgh's going to win by 30 points. And maybe they, they will. I mean, the Steelers are absolutely good enough to go in there and win 42-10. to 10. But I find this game fairly interesting. This is Deshaun Kaiser making his NFL debut. He's not somebody who's going to come in and light the world on fire, in my opinion. He's got a lot to learn. His accuracy at times in the preseason was questionable. And he's going to see defensive schemes in this game he's never seen before. Uh, it's a tough task, to say the least, here. But I think the Browns are substantially improved from what they were. I think they've got a really good young offensive line. And I think they've got a couple of guys in Kenny Britt and Corey Coleman who are serviceable. I don't, I, I'm not trying to say that. I think they're great weapons, but I think they're guys who can play. Uh, I actually think Cleveland makes this more of a game than, than people think. And I'm really curious to see what Kaiser looks like. I've, I'm having these similar feelings about another team in another sport with the Lakers this year, how they're going to have a lot of moral victories. I think that you're going to see a lot of moral victories, as much as I hate that so much. The Browns are going to have, I think, a moral victory on Sunday when Pittsburgh comes into Cleveland. They play them really tough. Deshaun Kaiser, I feel like he's going to make some mistakes that's going to end up pushing the needle onto uh, Pittsburgh's side a little bit more because let's be real as excited as everybody wants to be about Cleveland finally not being a dumpster fire of a franchise it's Deshaun Kaiser in his first NFL start going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense it's not you know I don't care where the game's being played but I do think that they do have a lot of great things going for him on offense I'm excited to see how Corey Coleman factors in if he can stay healthy a whole season Kenny Britt how that dynamic works out they've got some good running backs that offense, Hugh Jackson, he knows how to he knows how to work it. So, I think that Pittsburgh's going to win. I think everybody should be picking Pittsburgh. Um, the line at eight, I think maybe that would be where you run into some problems because I think guys get those soft tissue injuries. Mm-hmm. Guys get sprains. Guys pull hammies, and the Steelers need Bell to be who they they want to be this year to be a Super Bowl contender because that team is good without him, but they're great with him at times. And I think. You know, we're going to get a good look. What is Bell like? Against what, by the way, in Cleveland, is not a bad front seven. Jamie Collins, Christian Kirksey, Miles Garrett. You got some players in there. What does Bell look like? I think is really the bigger story for the Steelers than anything else coming out of a game that they should win. And I think that they may cover. I'll take Cleveland to cover it on, on a backdoor cover. But really, Bell, to me, is a storyline in this game for Pittsburgh. And everybody, we kind of talked about this with, we were talking fantasy football a couple of weeks ago, but Ben Roethlisberger tends to be underrated as far as what he can do with offenses. Everybody talks about, oh yeah, he can throw anybody in with Brady, he'll be fine, Rodgers can throw to a stone wall and it would be a completed pass. You know, I want to see what, what ben, Roethlisberger, ben Roethlisberger does, especially if Le'Veon Bell comes out a little bit soft. You know, Antonio Brown's one of the best receivers in football, yeah, that's great, Martavius Bryant's there, but what about, you know... How is he factoring Eli Rogers? Like that's there's there's a big gap between your one and two guy Bryant and uh, Brown, and then you've got Rogers, Hayward Bay, you know all these guys back there. So I want to see how Ben Roethlisberger. We talk about Brady reaching that point where he might fall off the cliff. Roethlisberger's already whether he was serious or not contemplated retirement. Where is he both mentally and physically? against a team a game that could end up maybe being a trap game. You never know. You know strange things happen in week one. They do, and if this was in Pittsburgh, I would, I would pick the Steelers win by two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think Cleveland is intriguing in this game. I don't think they'll win, but I think the Browns, as you point out, I think it's the right way to put it, I think could have a moral victory in the game. Now, <laughs> we apologize for even having to talk uh, about the following game, but it's technically still the NFL. Well, that's technically is being used very loosely. Technically, it's being used in bold <laughs> font. Uh, the New York Jets at the Buffalo Bills. Now, 
I love this line because this is something you won't see the whole rest of year. The Bills are favored by nine and a half points. <laughs> if you're wondering, okay, not to, you know, spoiler, that is the biggest line of the week. The Bills are nine and a half point favorites at home, New Era Field, and they take on the J E T S, Jets, Jets, Jets. So, Josh. We don't know who's going to start a quarterback for the Bills. Tyrod Taylor still in the concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. He did stretch with the team. He was in uniform today. He wasn't practicing, though, after that. Uh, could be rookie Nathan Peterman. Uh, can the Bills generate offense against a Jets defense that has a good front, even without Sheldon Richardson, obviously, trade to Seattle over the weekend? Um, can the Bills generate points in this game Obviously, laying nine and a half, they're going to have to to cover, and even to some extent, I would imagine, they're going to have to score at least 10 points to win the game. This is going to be the equivalent of like an old man slapping pond water with a stick. Like, which one is stronger? Like, is it the water winning or is the man winning? It's like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, it's so bad. I feel like maybe the Jets could come out and just shock the world and put together a good game because Buffalo's not that much better than they are, which is saying a whole lot because the Jets are bad this year. But I wonder if maybe the Jets, there's been a whole lot made. You know, the New York media likes to go big time one way or the other. You see the super positive or it's the end of the world, the apocalypse. With the Jets, it might might be a case where they figure something out because they're going to have to do, they're going to have to play the games. And strange things happen in week one. It's football at the end of the day. You just need to get one good bounce. I don't think that this is going to be a barn burner of a game. I think we're looking at maybe like the field goal kickers are getting our points here. But, oh man, this is I just I just don't know what to do with this. Can they can they tie? Can they just tie and we don't even have to worry about it anymore? That's that's where I'm at with this. But if I if I had to go one way or the other with it, I just I just can't. I actually just can't. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna pick the Bills to win the game. They're at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. I think really that is the differentiator here. Uh, you know, new coach. You know, McDermott was a very successful defensive coordinator in Carolina. Certainly had more talent in Carolina. I just and, and I'm not looking to to be a negative Nancy for either of these teams because look, I'm you know everybody's got somebody to root for, and I'm from New York, so I, I certainly know people who root for both these teams. But this game, like we have notes for this game. I don't even know. Like, my, I wrote down, what do the Jets look like with Josh McCown? That's a good they, question. They, we they, don't know. <laughs> they probably look the same as they look at anybody else. They can't block. They have no weapons. You know, they, I, I, right now, Jermaine Curse is your number one receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, Matt Forte, great player at one time, not anymore. Uh, defensively, you know, Muhammad Wilkerson's trying to bounce back from a bad year. Leonard Williams is a very good young player, but you have nobody else on this team. Although I will say this, if there's one race on time for the Jets, I love Jamal Adams at LSU. I think that kid's mm-hmm. going to be a really good player. So there, there is that. But, you know, two or three good players does not a team make. I will if, – if I had to give my lock of the week, though, the Jets are covering this spread. Oh, yeah. Because the Bills – the Bills may not score nine no. points. I, I don't like <laughs> – this game really like, – like, if you look at game like box scores in the 40s, you'll, you'll see like a lot of like 6-3 and like there's 60 rushing attempts on each side. This game should be played in leather helmets because I really I don't unless there's a special team score or a pick six, which really frankly might be what happens. Mm. I don't see how either one of these teams scores two touchdowns in this game. 
Like I, I don't not because the defenses are great, but the offenses are so bad. I don't know who is the number one receiver right now for the Bills. Jordan Matthews and Zay Jones is that the is that the combination? It's the Zay Jones experience. I just oh man, I think the Bills are going to win. I don't think it's going to be pretty. I think Buffalo fans should really cherish it. And I think the Jets, it's going to be a long road toward winning a game this season. And by the way, these two teams play again week nine on Thursday night football. You better settle in for that game. (laughs) That game, you might have to put like a seatbelt onto the chair so you don't throw yourself out the window. But uh, we're going to move on and we're going to go to a game slightly less gross. Uh, The Jaguars at the Texans. Slightly. (laughs) Yeah. The the Texans, a five-point favorite here at home, which, by the way, means that Vegas would put Jacksonville as one-point favorite if this game was in Florida Mm -hmm. uh, because you always got to factor in the the three points for for being at home. So, all right. Jaguars settled on Blake Boyles. They're going to start week one. Does that last 60 minutes against the Texans' defense? That, of course, includes Clowney, Merciless, and Watt, which goes against a horrendous offensive line. If it doesn't, then I think that the Texans' defense needs to go back and retool everything. If you're going up against Blake Bortles with that kind of talent on defense and you can't play him out of the game after the first 60 seconds, not the first 60 minutes of that game, it's I, – I don't know what the Jaguars are doing. I, we kind of talked about this a couple of weeks ago when I died on the hill that the defense was going to be very good this year, which I still think the defense is going to be good this year, but they're playing with the hindrance of Blake Bortles being the quarterback, which means you're going to consistently start on your own 20 trying to defend. So I, don't, I just don't know what the Jaguars are doing with Blake Bortles. Chad Henney's not that much better. But just throw it out there because everybody knows this is his last year in Jacksonville. He, unless he puts together the, a phenomenal season that we've never seen him put together before, nor has he shown any sort of you know, capability of putting together, this is going to be it. They're going to get rid of him. They're going to draft somebody high. We saw a bunch of really great college quarterbacks on Saturday, whether you were following on your Twitter feed with everybody freaking out or watching with your eyes and seeing that there was some actual talent. There's good quarterbacks coming into this draft class. Next year, Jacksonville probably going to have a very high draft pick. Blake Bortles probably not going to be on this team. So why, why throw him out there? Why do that when you actually do have some talent that you could grow with? Especially, you have a talent on offense too, Leonard Fournette. Throw him out there. I think he's going to be big this year in the same way that Todd Gurley was his first year just because they have nothing else going on on offense, and it's going to run through him. So if Houston doesn't win this game, I mean, O'Brien should, O'Brien should be done. Get rid of him. <laughs> Fire him after week one. <laughs> By the way, my God, free Allen Robinson. Yeah, right. That, that poor bastard's poor played with, with Bortles oh. and Hackenberg since he was coming out of Penn State. So, uh, look, I think with Houston, the defense is very good. Uh, the, the reason I'm down on Houston this year, and our NFL preview, by the way, on Fanside, it comes out on Tuesday. Please check it out. We have great stuff, really, uh, not only from Josh and myself, but from a team of writers that are second to none. Um, but – I kind of outlined with Houston in my, my predictions for the year. I, I just do not think the Texans are a playoff team. I think the schedule's hard. Uh, early in the year, they play at Cincy, mm-hmm. at New England. They play Tennessee at home. They play Kansas City at home. Then they go at Seattle. It's, it's a rough stretch. And Dwayne Brown is still holding out. Will Fuller, he's out with the broken collarbone. He'll probably miss the first you know, month at least, if not a little longer. Um, and then you have Tom Savage, who, look, Tom Savage reminds me of Trevor Simeon. He's not mobile. He doesn't, mm-hmm. have, a, he doesn't have a very big arm. He's accurate underneath, but he's not going to beat you over the top. Uh, he's, he's a backup quarterback is what he is. But Sean Watson really struggled this preseason, yeah. so they're going to roll 
correctly with Savage. Like, I think I think Houston wins this game simply because I just don't think Jacksonville can can do anything mm-hmm. offensively in this game. But uh, you know, Houston Houston's going to score or struggle to score rather twenty points a game. They really are. Other than DeAndre Hopkins and, and Lamar Miller, who's a good, not great back, that is just a bad offense. That is that is going to be an offense going to be tough to watch. But I think week one. Uh, they'll they'll take care of business because they're going to force some turnovers. Yeah, and you you kind of talked about in the last game we might have our only score in a Jets Bills game be a pick six or something defensive. And I think over the course of the season, Houston might have to generate points defensively that way. You know, we've seen JJ Watt do it. They've got you know a decent secondary that can maybe bail them out a little bit. I think yeah, the points it, it, they're going to be hard to come by in Houston, and you know they better be thanking the football gods that the Jets and the Bills matched up week one. Otherwise, this might be the worst game of the first week, uh, just just because of the quarterback situation. Blake Bortles is awful. Tom Savage is awful. But at least there's some kind of hope behind him with Watson. Jacksonville is just a black hole of suck for those guys. It's it's nothing. Houston's going to win. Jacksonville. You talk about the Jets having a hard time winning a game this year. I, I would keep an eye on Jacksonville having a hard time to win this year, too. That's, people are, always get hot about them because they win free agency, which goes back to the moral victories trope that I don't like. They won free agency. They got the win out of the way early. It's going to be a while before they get things together, so keep an eye on that. Well, and, and let us not forget that Jacksonville visits the Jets in early October, so we can just settle in for that, that barn burner. <sighs> NFC East, finally a game that is actually worth watching. The Eagles at the Redskins, it is a pick 'em. So Vegas thinks that the Eagles on a neutral field about a field goal better, but it is at FedEx Field. Look, the Redskins have been awful offensively this preseason. Uh, new offensive coordinator, Jordan Reed, he was on the pup list earlier, now healthy, he's back in action, but they lost Pierre Garçon, they lost Deshaun Jackson, they did add Terrell Pryor. Uh, but this offense has really concerned me throughout the preseason. I'm not a big preseason results guy, but it just looked bad. It's looked slow. It's looked inefficient. I wonder if they can pick it up against what is a very, very good Eagles front. Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, all those good, you know, Derek Barnett, who's looked terrific mm-hmm. in the summer. So can the Redskins rise to the challenge at home? Important game, even though it's week one, just because of the divisional implications. Yeah, I think... Th- Philadelphia is a team that I want to keep an eye on this year as kind of a sleeper team to compete with Dallas in the uh, NFC East. Everybody's talking about New York's going to be really good, which I think they are if that offense works, which is a big if all the time with Eli Manning. Washington, Kirk Cousins is going to throw the ball a thousand times a game. He's got three all right receivers that are all kind of the same skill. They're all the same guy with different names. So it's not going to be that hard to defend against. Philadelphia intrigues me. They, they flew under the radar last year. Everybody got on them about Carson Wentz starting them too early. It's going to crash and burn. And it wasn't spectacular, but it ended up being a lot better than we thought it was going to be. And it ended up being leaps and bounds better than Jared Goff. So they look good already for there. That defense, it's, it's interesting. They've got a lot of guys that kind of reminds me a little bit of the Buccaneers last year, only a little bit more talented to start the year, where they've got guys who aren't real household names across the league. Like, you could line them up at the grocery store and you would be able to pick out maybe a couple of them. But they got good talent. And I think that's really going to help them this year in their development, in the, especially in an NFC East, that it's still pretty, pretty even across the board. Dallas is great, but are they really going to be as good as they were last year? The Giants, again, the Eli Manning question. The Redskins, they always find a way to screw things up. So that defense in Philadelphia, I'm interested to see how they come out in week one and play against... 
uh, Kirk Cousins and an offense that could be good, but I think probably is going to be a little bit stagnant, especially after what we saw in the preseason. And big year for Kirk Cousins because he is slated for free agency after this year, playing on the tag, checking Aaron in a row. Philadelphia, I agree with you. They kind of intrigued me. Uh, Carson Wentz, though, last year concerned me a little bit. Came out, everybody's, you know, Wentzylvania after three games, which is <laughs> just a ridiculously bad nickname. But he trended down as the year went on. In fact, he had four games under five yards per attempt. He was the only quarterback in the league to do that. They did add Alshon Jeffrey. They added Torrey Smith. He's you know, more of a deep ball guy than anything else. And the offensive line still solid. Jason Peters, maybe not who he was five years ago, but still a good player. Elaine Johnson is, is a, certainly an above-average right tackle. And, and really, Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey's brother, one of the better centers in football. Nobody talks about him, but an excellent player. I'm curious to see what the Eagles do in this game because I love the front seven. I don't love the secondary. And, I, and I offensively, I, I'm not sold on the running game. And I'm not sold on Wentz. I'm not, I'm not one of these people who thinks Wentz can't play at all and they oh, he's, he's a bust. It's his second year. But I want to see what Wentz can do because in that division, you know, it, it is fairly wide open. Even though the Cowboys went 13-3 last year, we'll get to them in a minute. I agree. I, I don't think the Cowboys are, are that caliber team. We'll see how it plays out. But I, I think this is a really interesting game. And I don't know which way to go on this. This was one of the harder ones I had in terms of picking it. I'm going to take the Redskins because they're at home. And that's the only reason I'm taking them. If this is in Philadelphia, I take Philadelphia. I need to see Wentz do it. I'm not overly sold on either one of these head coaches. And I just think it's a home game. I'll take the Redskins. The Eagles, by the way, tough start to the year at Washington and at Kansas City. Got to find a way to at least win one of those to avoid that dreaded 0-2. I'm going with Philadelphia. I think that they're going to go on the road and, and figure this out in week one. And like you said, I think that they see those first two games and they're like, if we can come out of this even, you know, we win one, we lose one, that'll be a good start to the season, especially against two, you know, the, the Chiefs are way better than the Redskins, but they're two really tough opponents. For a team that does have a starting quarterback who is still trying to come into his own, he really does have to prove some things this year, especially after Pennsylvania hype last year. You got to not only live that down, but weirdly live up to it. It's, he's in a strange spot, but I think that the Eagles are going to come away with this one. Another NFC game that has me intrigued, Arizona at Detroit. Now, obviously, not a divisional matchup, but still intriguing for two teams that have playoff hopes. Detroit made it last year, fell apart down the stretch, got in as a wild card. Arizona was, was my pick to go to the Super Bowl last year at the NFC and ended up only winning seven games. Really disappointed. Interesting to see how the defense plays. And everybody always focuses on Carson Palmer, Fitzgerald. could be each of their last seasons. But this is a defense that lost Alex Okafor that lost Tony Jefferson, Calais Campbell, Keith Minton. Now, they did add Hassan Reddick in the draft, but that, that's a lot of turnover, and it's important turnover for a Cardinals team that really, look, everybody, again, it, it focused on the offense, but the defense really was what kind of led that team to the NFC Championship game a couple of years ago. How do they look? Detroit, on the other side of the coin, being disrespected a little bit. Everybody's kind of picking them to win you know, five, six games after going 9-7 and seven is a disrespect for good reason. The Lions, to me, have to run the ball at some point here better than they've run it. Since Matt Stafford's been the quarterback, they've had one guy rush for it. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. We did it. We time-traveled to yesterday. Wait, Progressive covers us 24-7, but we just created an eight-day week, and it's 24-7 coverage, not 24-8. We gotta go back. Are you joking right now? Shh, I'm calling them. 
Hi, I have a question about time travel. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. 1,000 yards, and every single year it's been a different running back who's led them in, in rushing yardage except once. One time they had a back-to-back, I do it. But other than that, in Stafford's career, it's been a different guy every year, and a lot of times it's not even 600 yards. That has to change for the Lions, and I'm curious to see how these two teams, how does the Lions run game match up against the Cardinals' revamp defense? I'm, I'm happy you brought up the running game because this is a big year for me for Amir Abdullah. He's either yep. going to have a really good year and he's going to finally come into his own and be the back that they thought they were getting out of Nebraska, or he's just going to fall off the earth and he's going to be a bust. They're going to get rid of him. They're going to move on. And again, they're going to unfortunately be in this endless cycle of turning over running backs uh, year after year and not being able to find the right guy. And they all kind of seem to be the same Reggie Bush type of player. They're trying to replace Reggie Bush with Reggie Bush-ish players. If Abdullah can catch the ball and run, he's great. They've had guys come through there that have been able to do that, but it's not been consistent. So I think that the Lions, I do agree with you that they're being disrespected a lot. It's tough because they're in the NFC North. And if the Vikings can figure things out this year, they're going to be tough to beat. The Packers, they're always going to be tough to beat as long as they have Rodgers at the helm. So this has kind of been a perpetual thing for the Lions being disrespected. With the Cardinals, the defense, that scares me. Because everybody focuses in on, you know, Peterson and Honey Badger, and they've got some really good secondary pieces. I don't know what they got old Carlos Dansby's back there now. Like I don't that that really scares me. Everybody's on. Uh oh, we need Carson Palmer to stay healthy. If he goes down, we're going to be in trouble. I think if he stays healthy, they might be in trouble. Arizona. I'm not sold on Arizona. They're a team for me. Uh, I think might underwhelm a lot of people. I like the Cardinals, but I do have concerns about the offensive line and about the run defense because I think Marcus Golden and Chandler Jones are really good bookend pass rushers. But I just have concerns about them stopping the run. As everybody knows, if you can't stop the run, it's harder to rush the passer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will take the Cardinals in this game, minus one and a half. I think they cover. Uh, Detroit, it just they, they can't run the football. And I, I think that's the one way to really beat the Cardinals. Uh, I'm not certain that the defense on Detroit is going to be able to handle business. Ezekiel Ons has been on the pup list all summer. He is going to be active in this game. But... I'll take the Cardinals. I think it's a good game. I think it comes down to the fourth quarter, but I think Arizona finds a way to win. I'm going with Detroit for almost the same reason that you said. It's going to come down to the fourth quarter, and I can't tell you how many times I've watched Lions games that have come down to the fourth quarter, and Matthew Stafford all of a sudden turns into Johnny United. He is good at the end and of the puts together this last-minute drive, whether it was you know a game against Dallas, I think I remember. Or maybe yep. it was against yep. uh, Cleveland when like his arm was falling off, and he still led them down the field. He just got a huge contract. They paid him big bucks to be the guy there. And what better way for him to come out in that first week at home against a team that a lot of people are picking to go to the playoffs. They come out and he has another Matthew Stafford-esque, you know, uh, comeback at the end of the game. That's fair. Stafford has been one of the best fourth quarter quarterbacks in the league. And now go back to the other side of the coin, AFC, AFC North, Baltimore at Cincinnati, Bengals getting the three points at home. So Vegas sees it as an even game. I would Agree. I think maybe they could have given Cincinnati another point. My question here is, what, what does Baltimore look like? Mm-hmm. This is a team, the Ravens have had a ton of injuries. Tavon Young was going to be the slot corner out for the year towards ACL. Dennis Pitta had 86 catches last year. He's gone. Zach Orr had to retire, unfortunately, because of uh, the neck injury. 
Uh, you'll look at some of the other spots in this team. Kenneth Dixon, gone. Torres Meniscus, out for the year. Okay, they did bring in Jeremy Macklin. They do have some good receivers. But Crockett Gilmore, who is the backup tight end, he's out for the year. Mm-hmm. And then you have Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco's not played a snap. He's been inactive all, all summer long. He hasn't been on the pup list. He just hasn't played. He's had uh, discs flaring up in his back, which scares the hell out of me. I know they say he's fine now. He's over 30 years old with a back injury. That's a problem. And that offensive line is not great. He is going to get hit some. And that speaks to my point with the Bengals here. The Bengals are without Vontaze Perfect, who's got a three-game suspension going Mm -hmm. for a preseason hit. But that defensive line has looked really, really good. I love what I've seen out of Jordan Willis. I think he's going to be a player for them. And they've got a lot of pieces there. Carlos Dunlap, Michael Johnson, Geno Atkins. This is a a defensive front now that can get after the quarterback – can the Bengals do enough at home to get pressure and force mistakes against the Joe Flacco, who has not seen a meaningful snap, has not seen any snaps all summer long? Joe Flacco is a huge concern for me this year for Baltimore. Because like you said, he's over 30. He's got a back injury. He hasn't played a snap at all in the preseason. And now they're, they're going to throw him out there and what? Expect that he's not going to be made of glass. He's not going to go down as soon as he gets hit, especially on an offense that – Who's blocking for him? Like, who's protecting him? You're throwing out Joe Flacco, your franchise quarterback, who's hurt. He's going to get hurt if he gets hit against an offensive line that is going to allow him to get hit. And I, I, it just it frustrates me so much. I mean, I don't really care about Baltimore that much. They're, they're on their own. so. But it's just it, – it makes no sense. And the Bengals, this is just – it feels like this is swinging back into the Bengals narrative we see every single year where we don't know kind of what they are. They look good. Can, you know, Andy Dalton be the guy to finally take them over the top in the playoffs? And I feel like they're starting the season. They're going to win this game. They're going to slide into this first half of the season, start to look good. They're going to get people hyped up, and they're just going to disappoint them at the end. But I think the real disappointment here is going to be how bad the Ravens look because they they don't have anything. Even if Flacco plays, who's he throwing to? Who's blocking for him? This is it, it's awful. And then Ryan Mallett comes in if he gets hurt. Like, oh, come don't on. talk about that. <laughs> We're a family-friendly program. I don't want to bring Ryan Mallett into this. My God, um, I agree with you. I think Baltimore is going to struggle this year. I like the defense and all that. I think yeah, the front's good. They're going to be very tough to run on. And John Harbaugh is a very good coach. Mm-hmm. Problem is, they just don't have the horses. Offensively, they just have nobody. Flacco is well beyond his prime. It's you could argue that's the worst contract in the NFL. I know they had to give it to him after the Super Bowl run mm-hmm. he had. So, timing is everything in life. Flacco had great timing. That contract is abysmal. If they, if they could get out of that contract, they'd do it in two seconds. That being said, I think the Bengals win. I, I'll swallow the points. I think they're going to win that game by more than three. I think the Bengals might get back to the playoffs. I don't mm-hmm. think the Bengals are going to win a game in the playoffs because, you know, why break tradition? Right. But, but I, think, I think the Bengals are better than people think they are. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going with the Bengals in this one, too. Paul Gunther's defense, I think they're going to come back uh, a bounce-back year. Just like you were saying, a lot of guys on there that look really good. It's, I don't want to say I'm excited about the Bengals, but they're not going to be an eyesore to watch, I guess. Oh, I agree. I, I think the Bengals, in the AFC, to me, you got New England above everybody. Then you got Pittsburgh and Kansas City. And then you got a third tier, and I think that's occupied by the next two teams we're going to talk about the Raiders at the Titans and the Titans laying two so Vegas actually thinks the Raiders touch better on a neutral field but at Nashville in this one and like everybody loves the Titans they are I don't even know if you call them a sleeper at this point because everybody is picking up to win the division people are picking up to go somewhere in the playoffs I'm on that bandwagon 
But they have looked atrocious in the preseason. They couldn't score a touchdown against the Bears in three quarters with their starters at home. They did play well against Carolina, although Carolina was not playing a lot of starters in that game. Mm -hmm. The Jets, that's a week one game. I'm not going to get into that. But they did nothing in that game. They they scored three points. And then against Kansas City in week four, again, didn't play the starters, lost 30-6. to Now, look, I'm not too worried about it. I think the Titans are a good team that just – didn't play well in the preseason. I, I don't put much stock into it. Some people will. They get Eric Decker back. They get Corey Davis back. That's a huge deal. They have not played all preseason. Those are going to be their top two receivers alongside Rashard Matthews. I'm curious to see how the Titans play in this game. Home opener. Everybody loves the Raiders. But the Titans have been getting that love. Are they going to be able to live up to it? The corners, the Dory Jackson, the first-round pick, and Logan Ryan, they're going to be tested in this game. I think so, and I, I also think that this comes back to something we've harped on for a while, how about how the Raiders are Khalil Mack and 10 other road cones on defense, especially up front. And I, Tennessee is two, one of the better running back duos in football with DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. Really underrated. Murray went there last year. People kind of wrote him off, and he came out and had a really good season. He statistically was very good. Derrick Henry is the same way. People kind of write him off and underrate him. He's a really good compliment to DeMarco Murray, and that's going to be, I think, something to watch when they play the Raiders is how is that uh, line up front for Oakland going to defend against the run? They got Mack who can get in there and stuff, but then does that mean that Mariota then starts going over the top, opens up the offense a little bit? Oakland, I have, you know, Tennessee, if they don't win the AFC South. They should be disbanded, yeah, honestly. It's time for some contraction. Um, but the Raiders, I think they have more to lose in week one here because there's so many eyes on the defense, because they actually have so many eyes all over because of the season that they had last year. They're expected to start out hot. If Tennessee and Marcus Mariota expose holes in that defense, which I think they very well could, that could be bad news. And you go back to last year. The Raiders, the only reason that they started getting hot right away is because Gamble and Jack went for two points in the first week of the season against New Orleans, and then all of a sudden they start getting lucky. So maybe does the luck run out? Does Tennessee kind of have the inverse of that and expose them the way that they kind of exposed New Orleans and some of these other teams last year? That, to me, is the most interesting thing to watch here because Oakland, if they lose this game, it's more than just one loss to them. That is bad news for a defense that needs confidence. Well, last year they started out defensively having two games where teams racked up over 500 total yards mm-hmm. against them. Now, look, I don't think that's going to happen, but the Raiders, we've, you know, and you said it earlier, Mac and 10 road cones. Mm-hmm. I'm actually to the point if they start Sean Smith, it's, it's Mac, nine road cones, and a parking <laughs> sign. I, it's, he can't move. I, the, the biggest concern, look, I like the Raiders offensively. Mm-hmm. They have a really good line. Derek Carr, I do think, is a touch overrated at this point. I think we've kind of jumped the shark a little bit with him, but he's, He's a very good young quarterback. Marshawn Lynch, I think, early in the year is going to be good. I think he's going to kind of wear down as the year goes on, but I like him early. They've got, a, they've got a great receiver in Cooper and a good one in Crabtree. But defensively, they just they scare the hell out of me defensively. They're going to be in a lot of games this year where they're going to have to score 30-plus points to win, mm-hmm. and it's going to be that old who-has-the-ball-last type of game. Tennessee can run the ball, as you mentioned. They can bleed the clock. Mariota's a good quarterback, and he's, and he's somebody also who can get out of the pocket. If Mac gets pressure on him, but he sees it coming, he can get out and escape. And the Raiders are a very slow defensive team. They are not athletic up front. And so I'm very curious to see how this plays out. This is another game. I think, it, I think Tennessee being at home, I think, makes a difference. I think it makes it a little bit harder on that Oakland offense. Uh, I, I look for this to be a game where the Raiders score some points. I don't think Tennessee is a great defense. But I think it's a game where Tennessee might score in the 30s. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a – you know, if, 
if Tennessee was rolling with the receivers they had last year, I wouldn't pick him. Mm-hmm. But I like Eric Decker. He's a professional. And I think Corey Davis looked fifth overall pick. I think he, he gives you something in the explosive category. I will take the Titans, and I will take them to barely cover. If it was a three-point line, I'd actually push. I, I think the Titans are going to win the game, and I think it's going to come down to the fact that I just don't think the Raiders can stop them. I think this is going to be the kind of game where Raider fans are going to be pulling their hair out because, because the Titans are just running for six yards a clip in this game. We'll see how it plays out. It could go either way, but I like Tennessee. I like Tennessee, too, and I think that this is going to be not maybe into the huge amounts of scoring that we saw last year in the opening week for Oakland, but I do think that both of these defenses are not good. I think that Oakland might be a little bit slower than Tennessee is, who is just kind of old and boring. They're not really necessarily bad or you know, it, it's just not a great defense. This is going to be an offensive game, and I think that Marcus Mariota, you know, we're to make a lot of uh, guff about Jameis Winston coming into his own in year three. All of a sudden, people are starting to slowly forget about Marcus Mariota, and I think maybe he reminds them in this game, hey, I'm here too. I'm the other guy, and I'm just as good as Jameis is. Yeah, you know, so Mariota, he's a nice player. He's a nice young player. I, I expect him to take a leap this year with much better talent around him. Uh, speaking of young quarterbacks, the Falcons visit the Bears on Sunday afternoon. Falcons, of course, favorites, favored by touchdown. And young quarterbacks, you have Mike Glennon and Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky's going to be second string, of course, to lead off the campaign. Uh, Glennon getting the start after getting a $45 million deal. Falcons are the better team here by a significant margin. You can make an argument, frankly. It's the best going against the worst in terms of the NFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question with the Falcons is mental. How do they get over that Super Bowl defeat? You know, there's always that Super Bowl hangover. Well, this is an ultra hangover considering how that game was lost. Do they come out and handle business? Are they ready to go? Or are they kind of still smarting over that loss and they overlook the Bears and all of a sudden it's a you know, 21-20 game in the fourth quarter? The Falcons, if they play well, are going to win this game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, can they just get over that mental hurdle? That's a big question to me. And I think that if this was at home, if, the, if they were opening up their new stadium in week one, I would take Atlanta with a bullet. I'm still leaning towards Atlanta, but just two things that stick out to me are what you said, the Super Bowl hangover. And that gets underrated so much sometimes because, like, you know, Denver and Carolina went to the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, the Panthers have arrived. They're here. They're going to be good. And they completely, you know, fell off the face of the earth the next year. I'm not predicting that's going to happen to the Falcons. But how does the loss of Kyle Shanahan affect that offense? Is that maybe move things around with Matt Ryan? Does, is Julio Jones not as effective in a different scheme, different play calls? You don't know. A Super Bowl hangover mentally affecting you. And I, I hate that I always come on here and I sound like Mike Glennon's biggest fan because I'm, a, I'm such a Mike Glennon apologist, it sounds like. But let's not underrate the fact that he's been in Tampa for a couple, basically his whole career he's been in Tampa. He knows the Falcons. Like, let's not, let's, not, let's not discount that at all. He knows the Falcons. He knows how to play the Falcons, how to match. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Up against them. 
The Bears don't necessarily have the weapons to do that. I don't think Mike Glennon maybe has the talent to go out and pull that off. But this game, I feel like, is similar to the uh, Steelers and the Browns game, where it's going to be a lot closer than people think, especially because people are so harsh on the Bears right now because Glennon did look so bad in the preseason, and people are going to want to see Trubisky. Meredith is down with the injury and out for the season, so that hurts them. This is going to be a closer game than people think. I'm going to go with Atlanta as much as I hate to do it, but I think they're going to come out and win. Glennon's going to make it closer, and maybe that's going to be something that's not good for the Bears because Glennon's going to come out and has a decent game against a really good team and all of a sudden quarterback controversy in Chicago. Uh, I, will take, I will take the Falcons to cover easily <laughs> in this game. I, I think there might be a little bit of a hangover, but not enough to keep the Bears in this game. I don't think Glennon can play. Uh, I think Trubisky's going to be the quarterback by October. That's, that's just my opinion. Uh, I, think, I think the Falcons will win this game by, by two to three touchdowns. Uh, I just don't think the Bears can cover them. I don't think the Bears can stop them. So I, I think that that's right. This could be a game where I see 38 to you know, 20 or something like that. Um, and now a game that will certainly not be 38 to 20. Um, thanks for sticking with us, by the way, here. Uh, Indianapolis Colts at Los Angeles Rams. And the Rams, three-point favorite. That line is going to probably move significantly now that Andrew Luck has officially been declared out. Scott Tolzien somehow declared in. Um, can Scott Tolzien generate any offense against the Rams, even with Aaron Donald still currently holding out? No. Uh, Jen, <laughs> all right, well put. Uh, I, I mean, there's really not much to say. I, I agree with you. Dave T.Y. Hilton and nobody else. The offensive line stinks. They, they, can't, they can't block at all. They don't have weapons. Hilton's fine, but they'll put Tremaine Johnson on mm-hmm. him. And Johnson's not great, but he'll, he'll at least limit him. And defensively, the Colts are a dumpster fire. Vontae Davis is hurt. They have nobody else who can cover. Malik Hooker's been dealing with an injury all offseason. I'll tell you the truth. If the Bills and the Jets weren't the Bills and the Jets right now, we, <laughs> we'd be talking about this team as having the number one overall pick. I mean, Andrew Luck, when he's there, makes them substantially better, of course. But And, and this is – I want to preface this. This is a purely gut feeling. I don't know that we're going to see Andrew Luck at least until into October. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised, really, if we don't see much of Andrew Luck this year. Because if the, let's say the Colts get off to an 0-4 start without him. He comes back. They're 2-8. and eight, He's still got some lingering effect. Do they just say, you know what the hell, that we're just going to shut him down? I, I just don't see the upside in it. Now, look, I think they're going to play him if he's healthy, of course, because they want to sit people in the stands and you know, they're going to try to win some games. But that team without Andrew Luck, you could make an argument, is every bit as bad as the Bills. Yeah, and it, it's, it's, it's the point now where it's not if, but when is Chuck Pagano going to get the boot in Indianapolis? And if even without Andrew Luck, which has kind of been a crutch he's been able to lean on for a while, it's like, oh, yeah, Andrew Luck hasn't been in, so he hasn't really been given a fair shake. He's been given enough shakes. If you can't figure it out this year, I don't, I don't know what to do with him. You've got, you got to get rid of him at some point. It's, you know, you can't get well, should have got G- rid of him last year. Yeah, you can't get rid of the GM and keep the head coach. And you also don't trade for jo- uh, Jacoby Brissett to have him sit behind Scott Tolzien. And you don't trade for Jacoby Brissett, not that he's anything particularly special, if you think that you're going to have Andrew Luck healthy. You don't make a trade for a third stringer knowing he's going to be a third stringer. He's either going to be your starter or your backup. That, to me, because the same thing happened with Davis, his injury. It's like, oh, yeah, he's got a lower body injury, the old, the old hockey you know, catch-all injury. And then it turns into a groin thing. He's going to be out a couple of days, a couple of weeks. Now, you know, maybe he's going to be out you know, for a month or so. You never know. Andrew Luck could be the same thing. It's just Indianapolis doesn't know what they're doing. It's, it's going to be it's, bad. It's a dysfunctional franchise right now. Look, I'm looking at their schedule. They have a week 11 bye, so they have a really late bye. 
Uh, you look at this. Let's just say, for argument's sake, Locke misses the first three games of the year. I don't think they're beating the Rams. They're not beating Arizona. Maybe they beat Cleveland at home. I, I don't even know if that happens. Then you're at Seattle, home to the Niners. Okay, fine. At Tennessee, home to Jacksonville. At Cincy, at Houston, home to Pittsburgh. That team is lucky, if, and no pun intended, lucky if they're 3-7 and seven at the bye if Luck misses the first month of the year. I think that's when they fire. Mm-hmm. I think that's when they would just say, you know what, enough's enough, and, and let's move on. And then the new head coach will come in and get Tennessee, Jacksonville, Buffalo. And, and, and they'll, they'll hire whoever that is. God. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they'll go. Then they have Denver at home. They'll go like 3-1, and one and, and they'll look great. Um, okay, so quickly, Rams favored by field goal. Uh, quickly on the Rams, Sean McVay, first time head coach, mm-hmm. first game, obviously. Jared Goff, uh, up and down in the preseason, great against the Raiders, a little shaky against the Chargers. Uh, does he have an immediate impact on Goff? I think Goff looks good in this game. I think so, too. And I think somebody else to keep an eye on maybe would be Sammy Watkins. Mm. You, you know, he's going to go up. If Vontae Davis is out, who's going to be covering him? Quincy Wilson? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not happening. Yeah. It, it's in Los Angeles, so I don't think that Indianapolis is going to come halfway across the country and win. It, this could be another situation where we have a low-scoring game, where neither of these offenses really get it going together. Uh, I'm, taking, I'm taking the Rams. Oh, I am too. I'm taking the Rams at home. Uh, you said Indianapolis uh, not going halfway across the country to win. I don't think Indianapolis go to Fort Wayne and win a game right now. <laughs> now, maybe, in my opinion, the best game of the week, along with Kansas City and New England. Uh, Seattle at Green Bay, mm-hmm. uh, the not-so-frozen tundra of Lambeau Field right now. The three-point favorite for the pack. Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by this game. This is strength on strength. Seattle, in my humble opinion, has the best defense in football. Mm-hmm. Okay, Adding Sheldon Richardson to that front with Cliff <laughs> Averill, Jesus. Bobby Wagner, Michael Bennett, Frank Clark, KJ. Oh, it's just in- insane. And then, of course, you got the Legion of Boom mm-hmm. on the back end. And they got the Lockhorns. With the Packers. I think Seattle's a more talented team. Mm-hmm. But you have Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And I am I am fascinated to see how Rodgers plays against that defense. Even with an offensive line that's in flux right now. Brian Balaga doesn't mm-hmm. look like he's going to play with the ankle. TJ Lang no longer there. J.C. Treader, he's gone. How do the Packers handle that front? And does it wreck the game in favor of the Seahawks? If it doesn't. You get, you get some great matchups with Rodgers against Sherman and Chancellor Thomas. The, the, the Packers' lack of a running back anything, even with Eddie Lacy in town, uh, was always something that kind of bothered me about not having that offense be complete. And I think that that's going to be something here where we see highlighted, them not being able to run the ball against that front in Seattle, which maybe then shuts things down. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. He's going to get his no matter what. I don't care if he's going up against the Legion of Boom or the 85 Bears or whatever. He's going to get his because he's the greatest quarterback in the game right now. Um, but that it could come down to who was missing something, you know, because they match up so well against one another. Seattle has a running game. They have actually Eddie Lacy. <laughs> they have Green Bay's running game from a year ago. I think that Ty Montgomery, they're going to try to be cute with him in the way that they use him. Uh, they, they're going to come out. They have a rookie running back that they're going to maybe bring out there. That running game and the fact that it doesn't really exist might be what changes the, the, the scales here to Seattle. Not that I think that the scales need to be tipped to Seattle. I think it's already that way. But the, where they are mismatched a little bit is in the running game. I am fascinated by this game. I will certainly be watching... I'm going to take the Packers. I'm actually going to take the Seahawks to cover, even though it's only a three-point line. I think it's a great game. 
I take the Packers because they're at home and because Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, is the best player in the league mm-hmm. at, the best, at the most important position. So I, would not be, I will not be shocked at all if Seattle wins this game. Seattle, the one thing about them throughout their time with Pete Carroll, they are not a great road team. Mm-hmm. They do not win away from – and I think – I'll go a step further with this. And by the way, I think this also applies with Kansas City and New England, but especially with this game. You say, oh, it's week one. And look, whoever loses in those games – Whatever. Yeah. They're still playoff teams. will be fine. Okay? Let's not overreact. But whoever wins, you're talking already, has a big leg up trying to get home field advantage. Mm-hmm. Now, you might laugh all oh, Kansas City. Look, if you look at Kansas City's schedule down the stretch, they play nobody. And if, if the Chiefs get to 12-4 and four as they did last year and they beat New England doing it, all of a sudden, New England's got to go, what, 13-2 and two the rest of the year to beat it, which they, they might. Yeah. But, you know, it's tough. Seattle and Green Bay, think about those two teams. Think about how important it is to be playing at home for those two teams in the playoffs. It is an enormous difference. Enormous. Whoever has home field advantage in the NFC is going to have a clear favorite, uh, be the clear favorite, rather, excuse me, to to win or to get to the Super Bowl, in my opinion. I think whoever wins this game, they got a leg up on the one seed. And it sounds crazy, but a tiebreaker matters in the NFL. Only 16 games. I take Green Bay... I will not, however, swallow the points. I think Seattle covers it. I'm going to go with Seattle on this one. <clears throat> uh, I do agree with you that this is a game that, you know, it's week one, but it's going to have a ripple effect across. Because you talk about how Kansas City plays no one down the stretch. Green Bay wins this game. They get Cleveland, Carolina, Minnesota, and Detroit to close out the season, where Seattle gets Jacksonville, Los Angeles, the Rams, the Cowboys, and the Cardinals. So, this game is going to be bigger than I think people think in the long-term spectrum. Uh, but Seattle, I think that they go in there and they get it done. I think that maybe they are going to be a bad road team again this year, but they always seem to get one good road game in there, and I think this would be the one. Could happen. Could absolutely happen. I, I, great game. Great game week one. Now here's a game, staying in the NFC. I actually think this game is somewhat more interesting than it looks like on paper, and it's Carolina at San Francisco. Carolina laying five and a half. Hey, I know you being a Bucks fan, I'm sure you're going to have your, your 49ers jersey on for this game. Look, <laughs> I obviously am impartial. It doesn't matter to me. I, I try to always be impartial, although I'm sure my bias shows the Chiefs at times. Um, Carolina, five-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. San Francisco, first game with Kyle Shanahan as head coach. I think Kyle Shanahan is going to be a good hire for them. Mm-hmm. I think he's a good fit. I think this offense is extremely limited. Carlos Hyde and everybody else on, on that offense because really there's not much else to talk about. The 49ers have a much better defense than people give them credit for. Solomon Thomas looks great in the preseason. So does Reuben Foster. And by the way, how did the Raiders pass on Reuben Foster? That's all in our story. Okay, Reuben Foster, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, Eric Reed in the back end, although the secondary is shaky, but I like Eric Reed in the back end. Okay, and then, of course, you still have Navarro Bowman. Mm-hmm. This is a team, especially in the front seven, that can play. And Carolina struggled to block last year. Now, they're finally healthy this year. So I think the Panthers are better off in, in that regard. But I think the Panthers are going to win the game. But I think the 49ers are going to cover. And I think the Panthers are going to have a tough time scoring a lot of points on this team. Although I am very curious to see how Christian McCaffrey gets factored into this offense. Yeah, if this game was in Carolina, I'd go with the Panthers. But I'm going to go with San Francisco just because Carolina's going to go all the way across the country to play this game. And also they're rolling out there protecting Cam Newton with the Khalil brothers, which I can tell you from watching both of them in Carolina and then the one in Minnesota hasn't ended well for either of the quarterbacks that they've uh, tried to protect. And it, 
And the the Forty ers you mentioned the defense, and I'm I'm really excited about that because you know being a Bucks guy, John Lynch, the, the general manager there, kind of got poo pooed a little bit because he what didn't deserve the job. It's done a great job, you know, because you know the man didn't go to Stanford and didn't play in you know one of the best defenses ever and doesn't know how to put together a team. But we're seeing now that he can, and that defense does excite me. I am interested to see where it goes. Um, some minor assists to Chip Kelly for maybe getting some some guys going in there and spiritually living on there. But the offense will be interesting to me too because of the Kyle Shanahan factor. They do have Brian Hoyer who, you know, say what you will about him. He was winning with the Browns for a very large portion of that one good season that they had a couple of years ago. They brought in Pierre Garçon, who Shanahan knows from his years in Washington. And if you've learned anything about Kyle Shanahan's number one receivers, which Garcon is in this offense, he throws to them a lot. And they are very, very, very productive. Garcon being the uh, beneficiary of that in Washington when he was the number one receiver and had some of his greatest years. So I don't think that it's going to be a season where the 49ers turn everything around right away. The defense is going to look good. The offense is going to struggle. But this game, I think that they're going to win. I think they're going to win this one. Maybe people get a little bit too excited about them because of it, but Carolina going cross country to try to play them, not really going to work. And I, I hate their secondary. Their secondary was awful last year. Carolina's was, and I think it's going to be bad again this year, whether or not they know Kyle Shanahan or not. Let's keep in mind, Kyle Shanahan played the Panthers last year. They got, he got a man fired. <laughs> he, he did. He did get a man fired. That actually, that is true. Uh, they they cut Ben Wickery before he even got on the plane. Uh, listen, I'm going to take the like I said. I'm going to take the Panthers to win. I just think the Panthers have a really good front seven, and I think the Niners are just going to mm-hmm. really struggle with it. But I think it's a close game. I think the 49ers yeah. play them a lot. I think the 49ers by the end of the season are a team that is not looked upon as an easy out. Mm-hmm. I think the 49ers are better than people think. And if they get, if, you know, we've heard all these rumors. If they get Kirk Cousins next year. That's an interesting team all of a sudden. But now let's move to the primetime games, three of them uh, this week, two on Monday night. Well, four of them technically, including the Thursday night game. But the Sunday night game, Giants-Cowboys, great NFC East rivalry. Mm-hmm. Last year, Cowboys, 13-3, lost twice to the Giants. Uh-huh. And really the only other game was Week 17 loss. They were playing their backups. Can they figure out the riddle? Now, the Cowboys, half the team is suspended right now. We don't know what's going on with Ezekiel Elliott. We're waiting at, really at any moment could hear about mm-hmm. you know, the uh, results of his appeal. My guess is he's going to play one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, so let's figure he's in the game. Last year, the Giants did a really nice job at bottling up Ezekiel Elliott. They gave him problems, and I think that was a big reason why they were able to win both of those games. Now, does that mean they're going to win this time around? Of course not, but I do think... It makes it something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know, the average oak tree branch can hold 70 pounds. Something you probably do know, your neighbor is building their kid a treehouse. Something you probably don't know, a falling treehouse would take out your whole fence. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. If you can stop the Cowboys from running, as much as I like Dak Prescott, you know, they're, they're a team that's built around pounding the football. Mm-hmm. And last year, Elliott, you know, certainly week one, 20 carries, 51 yards, uh, his lowest total of the entire season. Okay, now, second time I played him was much better. 24 carries, 107 yards, didn't score a touchdown, four and a half yards of carry, below his regular season average of, of 5.1. 
I'm very curious. And by the way, it should be noted, he had 32 catches last year for 363 yards. He's a good pass catching back. In the two games against the Giants combined, he had one catch for one yard. Mm. They did a very, very good job at taking care of him. So, that all in mind, can the Giants make it three in a row over the Cowboys? I think so. Um, really, they shouldn't have won that first game. That was that wonky week one game where Terrence Williams, I think it was, stepped out of bounds. Didn't step didn't, out of bounds. Didn't get out of he bounds. didn't step out of bounds when he should have stepped out of bounds. So, I know we heard a lot about that from Cowboys fans saying that, you know, it wasn't 13 and three, they were 14 and two. But Oh, they were 13 and three. Yeah. <laughs> but that second Giants game was more concerning to me because it was that first one, wishy washy, whatever. The second one, if you remember, that was right. That was at peak Dak Prescott hype where everybody was like, oh, he's not throwing interceptions. He's having this incredible rookie year. I can't believe that the, the Cowboys struck gold like this. And then he goes and he plays the Giants. And I think it was a Sunday night game. Maybe it was a it Monday was, night game. It was a Sunday night. And they eviscerated him. He was awful. That was a bad game. I mean, you, you highlighted the stats for Zeke Elliott, but I don't think he had that better of a game than Zeke. I mean, it was, it was not good. Um, so, look – Dak Prescott, I think he got better in the offseason. I think hearing all this MVP talk for him is a little bit much. We're going to see what this team looks like in week one right out of the bat. Um, and I just, I, I just can't, I can't pick Dallas. I can't do it. The, the Giants offense, as much as we want to talk about Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott being really, really good, which they are, and, of course, Des Bryant somehow has gotten forgotten in this conversation. Um, the Giants, Eli Manning, if he can throw to the right team, He's got Odell Beckham. He's got Sterling Shepard. He's got weapons on that offense. Brandon Marshall's there now. So, you know, keep an eye on the Giants' offense this year. That could be a really, really good offense. And it seems like every so often they kind of lay low in the weeds for a little bit, and then they spike out of nowhere, and they go to the Super Bowl. Not that I'm predicting that, but this seems like a spike year for the Giants. Yeah, listen, and you brought it up. Last year, that second game against the Giants, and it was a Sunday nighter, 17-37, mm-hmm. uh, for 165, he only had a touchdown and two picks. His QBR was 14.8. If you're wondering, it's a scale of 1 to 150 is, is average. That was the only time he was under 50 all year long. Uh, look, Prescott, I think, is a rising star in this league. I don't think he's going to be a one-year wonder. I think he can play. Yeah. Um, I have a really hard time. This game's three and a half. I'm certainly taking the Giants to cover. Uh, I'm, I think I'm with you. I think I'm going to take the Giants to win this game because I don't think that the Cowboys are going to light up that defense. It's a very good defense. And on the flip side, I think the Giants are going to struggle a lot this year with teams that can rush the passer mm-hmm. because the Giants can't block anybody. Eric Flowers is the only offensive lineman I've ever seen who blocks fit looking at the ground. It's, <laughs> he, he ducks his head every time he goes to block somebody. It's the worst form I've ever seen out of an offensive lineman. How he went in the top 10 picks blows my mind. But... The Cowboys can't get pressure. Mm-mm. They have nobody. I, that is, to me, the biggest problem. Like David Irving is suspended for this game. Randy Gregory is suspended for the season. There's no reason to think that they are going to do anything in terms of generating pressure. And so I'm, t- I'm taking the Giants. And I've waffled back and forth in this game. If you ask me tomorrow, I might take Dallas. But I, I, I think the Giants are going to win this game. I think it's going to be close. But I think they'll get a win. And a very important win on the road, divisional week one um now go to the monday night games the saints at the vikings and of course this is the big triumphant return for adrian peterson now a member of new orleans what does he have left in the tank and the other question i have with the saints is the defense actually for real in the preseason they went two games without allowing a touchdown 
now, granted, a lot of starters are missing for the Chargers and Texans. I feel like the defense probably is not for real because it's never really for real mm-hmm. with the Saints. But uh, your take on what is going to certainly be an interesting game uh, up in your home state of Minnesota. Uh, well, I, this is the first hill that I died on was that Adrian Peterson is not going to have the year that people think he is. But if you remember, I said that this is the game. This is the one game, his window, where he's just going to run angry. He's going to go hard. He's going to want to stick it to the Vikings and all those fans who are very quick to turn on him after sticking through with them for all those years. Um, it's at home in Minnesota, so he's going back there. I just think that the Vikings, they did not give me what I wanted to see out of them in the preseason. Uh, the offense looks as mediocre as we thought it might be, if not worse. The offensive line, there's questions galore across there. And then you're, they're protecting a quarterback who is made of glass. You know, Sam Bradford, everybody's like, oh, yeah, it's, it, it's fine. He's, he's going to check down and be effective again in his high percentage targets or whatever. But if, you know, he gets breathed on the wrong way by Kenny Vaccaro or something like that, he's going to be down for the count. And then you've got nothing behind him. So I think, you know, the, to the Saints defense point, I don't think that they're the real deal. I thought that they were going to go out and get TJ Ward before the Bucks did. I was excited that they, they beat them to that. But they always seem to be the team that goes out and gets those veteran guys, and it never seems to work out. And I don't think that the Saints – are going to be as bad as they were last year defensively. But I think this is a nice game for them to start out against, against an offense that really doesn't know what it is, and especially against an offensive line that is, you know, it's a cubicle divider. So It is. Uh, the Vikings are favored by three and a half in this mm-hmm. game. I take the Vikings to win. I take the Saints to cover. I'm very tempted to pick the Saints. The problem I have with it is I'm a big believer in that defense wins. Minnesota has a much better defense. Yeah. And I, I just think as good as the Saints are, they're not a good road team. They've never been. Uh, Sam Bradford is not by any means a, a big play quarterback, mm-hmm. but he's very accurate. Uh, I think he'll find the old man. They'll move the ball on the ground. Dalvin Cook, we'll see what he's got. He's kind of the forgotten man and all this. I think Minnesota is going to get off on the right foot this year, as they did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think they win this game, and I think the Saints make it interesting but I just, even though they've had a good preseason, I don't trust the defense in New Orleans. No, I'm, I'm going to go with Minnesota. As much as I'm nervous about their offense this year, it's going to be something to watch as the season unfolds. I think that they're going to come out and they're going to win this game just because you said that defense, especially up front, they're going to be going. You know, Adrian Peterson wants to run, you know, angry and hungry against the Vikings. He's going to go through one hell of a defensive line to try to do that. So Vikings are going to win this one. But I'm not sold on them being, you know, an NFC championship title team or something like that uh, uh, th- no I- I'm not either just because the offense mm-hmm. scares the daylights out of me final game the back end of the Monday night double header the Chargers and the Broncos and the Broncos <laughs> favored by three and a half points uh, really both teams it's kind of a new everything it, yeah you know of course the Chargers it's a new city it's a new 27,000 seat stadium it's uh, Anthony Lynn as the head coach. Mm-hmm. He goes against Vance Joseph, who both of which are making their head coaching debuts. Uh, Denver, there was a quarterback controversy in the offseason. Trevor Simeon won the job just as much as Paxton Lynch, frankly, lost the job. Um, and I'm curious, too, with the Broncos. They cut T.J. Ward, who went to your Buccaneers mm-hmm. on the one-year deal. The team was not happy about it. A lot of players really spoke out on Twitter and in interviews. Uh, Ward came out, called the team completely unprofessional. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see if that has any kind of a holdover. And I'm, I'm frankly surprised they cut Ward. Look, I get they're high on Justin Simmons, but Ward is a 30-year-old veteran who can still play. And 
that team's going to have to win defensively. The Chargers, I think, are more talented than Denver. The, the question is, can they block anybody? I don't know that they can block, and that's a bad problem to have in the AFC West. So mm-hmm. an intriguing matchup that's really going to tell me a lot, I feel, about both of these teams right off the bat. I just want to say, in, in a year of sports where we were treated to third-act twists that we never saw coming, you enter training camp with a quarterback controversy in Denver that involves Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch, and it ends with Brock Osweiler coming home. Oh, boy. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. But, uh, yeah, for, for Denver, losing, losing TJ Ward, I think, speaks to maybe a greater problem that's going on within the organization because they kind of played hardball with Vaughn Miller when they needed to give him a big contract, which was the easiest decision you could ever make is to pay Vaughn Miller after he put together the season. I mean, he's, he's the face of your defense. He's the face of your franchise. Sure. They hardball uh, Osweiler and run him out of town, which granted was not a bad decision, but they're now bringing him back. So, like, it's, it's just weird that the way that they run things in Denver. And I'm, I'm starting to wonder if that's a trickle-down effect when does that hit the players? When does that? When did they just had enough? I mean, they're at what their third head coach in a couple of years because they, they went through John Fox, Kubiak. Now they're on Vance Joseph. Uh, the quarterback situation's up in the air. We've seen, you know, in Seattle, when the defense is really, really, really good and they're carrying the team, and the offense doesn't pull their weight. There's friction there. And is Vance Joseph a good enough head coach as a first year head coach? to weather that storm if Von Miller comes out and he's, you know, like, you know, what are, we, what are we throwing Trevor Simeon in here for? We're playing our asses off out here against Kansas City, Oakland, all these teams, and, you know, you're throwing this offense out there. What's going on here? So that's going to be interesting to me to see how they come out and respond to the T.J. Ward thing, how they come out and respond with the quarterback situation. Denver's fascinating to me. Somebody picked them to win, like, 10 games this year. I don't see them winning, like, more than seven or eight it's, it's yeah, not good. I, I think they're probably about a seven-win team. Look, I, here's my concern, I, and you got to give John Elliott a lot of credit because he won a Super Bowl with the team, mm-hmm. obviously two as a player, one as a general manager, largely because he was able to attract Peyton Manning. And that, you know, that, that's, obvious, that's something that people say, well, you know, it's because of Manning. Well, he got him there. Mm-hmm. So you, you give credit where it's due. Here's the problem with Denver right now, okay? They have not been able to draft one iota over the last – four years and really even if you want to go back six years like Von Miller was the number one uh, pick for them in 2011 second overall pick that year they also drafted Julius Thomas who was very productive for a couple of years while Manning was there he is of course no longer there in that draft class right now the only two guys remaining on the team are Von Miller and Virgil Green and Virgil Green for a seventh round pick he's fine he's a blocking tight end but he's not exactly a difference making player 2012 they don't have a first round pick or they trade back okay they get Derek Wolf excellent player Brock Osweiler who we'll close here with in a second disaster nobody else up until the fifth round they get Malik Jackson Danny Trevathan two really good players that helped them win a Super Bowl but are no longer on the roster mm-hmm. okay so 2012 to me was a good draft but they, two of the three good players from it are no longer there then you get into where they've really struggled 2013 here's the draft class Sylvester Williams Monty Ball Kayvon Webster Katantra Smith oh. Tavares King Vincent Painter Zach Dysart it's a, it's a terrible draft class. It's a terrible class. Kayvon Webster, good special teamer, who, by the way, no longer there now at the Rams. 2014, Bradley Roby, decent corner. Cody Latimer, Michael Schofield, Lehman Barrow, Matt Paradise, Cody, Corey Nelson. Matt Paradise, good center. Okay? Roby, decent corner, not what you're looking for out of a first-round pick. 2015, of course, we kind of have to let it play out a little bit. Shane Ray, he's going to get his time to shine here when he comes back from the wrist injury. 
jury's still out on him. After him, there's nobody. Trevor Simeon's seventh-round pick. Look, he's been good for a seventh-round pick, but he's, you know, he's not a franchise quarterback. And then last year, again, we got to see how it plays out. I like Janovich as the fullback. What, I guess what I'm driving at is they have not drafted a pro bowler since 2011. You say whatever you want. It's, it's a problem. I mean, they, they have not been able to draft well, and it's eroded their depth. They've gotten older at certain spots. And so the Broncos are in a spot now where they used to be the favorite every year in the AFC mm-hmm. West. I think they're the worst team in the division. Oh, yeah. Maybe better than the Chargers, depending on how things go. But I got to say, in this game, three and a half points. I'm taking the Chargers to cover. I will take Denver to win because matchup-wise, I think they get a ton of pressure on Rivers and they can cover. I do believe that. I think they're a good matchup against the Chargers, but I don't think they're more than a seven-win team this season. No, we, we agree completely on the Broncos. I'll, I'll actually take the Chargers in this game just because I'm not that sold on the Broncos. Although, it, to me, this is one of the harder games to pick because it seems textbook tailor-made for Phillip Rivers to make a late-game interception which he seems to always do. So they're driving, and he's, he's going to screw it up somehow, especially against a defense that, like you said, can't actually cover. Uh, but the Chargers, to me, aren't as awful as people are trying to make them out to be. Maybe it's because I've been jaded a little bit from you know the Chiefs talk in the office so much where it's, it's so slanted against the Chargers and the Raiders and the, and the Broncos. But even you've admitted, too, that the Chargers aren't a terrible team when you, no. when, you, when you take a look at it from Phillip Rivers, you know, Keenan Allen, if he can stay healthy. They've got, you know, Antonio Gates is up there, but he's still productive. The defense is looking like it could be all right. Joey Bosa looks like he's the real deal. Melvin Gordon on offense, maybe he's finally the guy that they thought Ryan Matthews was going to be, and he never ended up being. So the Chargers, to me, very interesting. Anthony Lynn, he might be a, a low-key smart hiring uh, he weathered the storm in Buffalo. I mean, baptism by fire. If you can live through the uh, Rob, uh, the Rob and Rex Ryan era, whew. you can live through it all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, listen. I actually really like the Chargers mm-hmm. roster. The, the biggest hangup I have with them is just that line. Yeah. And I loved when they took Forrest Lamp, but Forrest only tore his ACL. Yeah, hurt. Yeah. But you know, I was a big fan of that pick. I still am. I think the weapons on the Chargers are tr- tremendous. Oh, yeah. I, my, my question with them is simply just that they do have a lot of injury history, mm-hmm. and that offensive line scares me. So as you graduate and head out into the world, there's only one thing that you need to know. Hi, this is Jamie from Progressive. Yeah, I can talk now. Progressive protects you 24-7. So tell me what happened. Oh, I'm sorry, Gene. Can you give me one second? Um, brush out for every meal. Congratulations and thank you. Sorry about that. I'm back. So tell me about this fender bender. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms. I think the Chargers are going to compete for a playoff spot. Mm. I just think this is a tough matchup, and Denver's a hard place to play. But ultimately, I don't think Denver is a team that's going to be able to stay in the race because of that quarterback situation, because of the offensive line. And look, we'll close with this. Uh, Brock Osweiler back with Denver one year, uh, vet minimum, 775K. Uh, you know, right now, as we're doing this, he's, he's talking and he's mentioned that, you know, the, the decision to come back to Denver is one of his the five best days of his life. And, you know, he was sick after he left and, and he's so happy to be back. He would have taken anything to come back. Look, I hope for him he's happy. Uh, he is he is not good. I, I mean, I know you're going to get a lot of talk about, well, he's back where he was. It's a different system. 
and he's never played in the system. I, I do not think that he really gives them anything more. First of all, he's a backup. Okay, he's he's not starting over Trevor Simeon. And when the Broncos put out the press release that they signed them, <laughs> they put out because of Paxton Lynch's injury, we've signed Brock Osweiler. Well, geez, I mean, way to have a little faith in the guy. I, I don't think he's anything more than a placeholder. And I got to tell you, if he's not, and Paxton Lynch comes back and he stays the number two, my God, what does that say about Paxton Lynch? So I'm curious to see what happens in a month from now when Paxton Lynch comes back. Does he get second job back? Because if he doesn't get the number two job back, that's more about Paxton Lynch than his Osweiler. Yeah. I think Denver's really put themselves in a spot here where they're either mistakenly putting themselves in a position where they have to make a decision or they're trying to force themselves to pick a horse in this race. Because when Lynch does come back, they're gonna, it's going to send one of two messages. Either Osweiler keeps the two job, and that's because Paxton Lynch, they don't believe in Paxton Lynch, or Osweiler's bumped down to three, and that's, that's pretty much it for him. And that's not also saying that much about Paxton Lynch. So it's, it's, to me, like you said, it's, it's a different system. And Brock Osweiler, he's going to go in there and throw to a, a, a completely different team. than Same faces, but a different scheme. And he went down to Houston. He had DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. He had options. He had weapons in Houston. They're not, you know, top-notch caliber weapons down there. But he, he couldn't make that work. And Tom Savage found a way to make it work a little bit. So, that, you know, say what you will about that. But Denver, it's, it's not good. They're in a position where they're going to have to choose and knowing the history here with picking quarterbacks, I'm not confident that they're going to pick the right guy. All right. We have touched on all 16 games. Hopefully gave you something to watch, gave you a little bit of insight. Uh, quickly, since I know it's almost an hour and 20 minutes right now, uh, last, last word on week one for you as we uh, head into a new NFL season. I think that, once again, we're going to have the conversations about parity in the NFL. I think we're not going to learn anything until about week three or four and even then we're not going to know that much just looking at the matchups from like whether it's you know something fun we can make fun of like the bills and the bills and the jets or something like the packers and the seahawks which is actually a good game or you know cowboys and giants don't really know about that and broncos chargers who knows so it's the parody that was a conversation last year i think it's good for the nfl it makes all of these games interesting that's you know my my take on that is we're in for a good week one i think well we'll leave it at that uh Josh, thanks for coming on, not only for you know a segment, but for the entire program. <laughs> Wanted to get everything in for the week one schedule. Hopefully we did that. Uh, it's going to be a really good slate of games. A couple of clunkers in there, but what can you do? It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, four primetime games this week, so keep you busy after work. Thank you for listening once again. Of course, if you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes to Stack in the Box. Uh, check out my written column. It goes up every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern. Uh, it's always a couple thousand words, hits on all 32 teams. So please, you know, go ahead, give it a read, give it a share on your social medias. Um, and if, if you love it, leave a comment. If you don't love it, well, don't be a jerk. Don't comment. Um, uh, so for Josh Hill, I am Matt Verderam. Thank you very much for listening and enjoy week one of the 2017 NFL season. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.